You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. So we've been in a series called The Story, and what we've been doing is we've been taking you through the whole story of the Bible from the very, very beginning as we talked about Adam and Eve all the way through last week as we talked about Jesus and the resurrection. And so every step of the way, we've been seeing some themes all the way along, and some of those themes are themes that, man, we should be excited about, some themes like God's grace towards us, that even in the midst of our flaws and our shortcomings, in the midst of the mess-ups along the way, that we see God's continual favor, God's continual grace, his continually pursuing people, um, even in the midst of their rebellion, that he chases after them and wants them to, to love him and wants a relationship with them. And that's just exciting, right? It's exciting because we've all been there. We've all, we are all there. We, are all, we all have those same struggles. And in the midst of that, we've got a, a Savior who, who forgives us of our sins, who desires a relationship with us. And, and so those are some awesome things that we see throughout Scripture along the way. One of those things that we've seen that we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about today is partnership. That throughout the Bible, God, as we've seen these stories, as we look at Genesis, if we, as we look at Adam and Eve, as we look at uh, Moses, as we look at Abraham, that God has chosen people along the way that he wants to partner with to fulfill his will. And so along the way, he said, you know what, Moses, I want to use you. I want to partner with you for you to be my hands and feet in this world to accomplish my will, which at that time was to set, uh, set the slaves free, set the, uh, um, the Israelites free of slavery in Egypt. And so he uses people, he partners with people just like you and I to accomplish his will here on this earth. And we're going to be spending some time talking about what that looks like today. But last week, we arrived at the most important part of all. This is like the exclamation point in this service and in the series. And we talked about Jesus and how significant Jesus is and how important Jesus is, that he's the most important part of the story. And what a beautiful way to do it on Easter Sunday to talk about the importance of Jesus, how every one of these stories that we've talked about every step of the way, it was all pointing to him. He's the main character in the story. He's the main one that we should be talking about. There's nobody more important than him. There's nobody that receives that should receive the glory other than him. It's all about Jesus, all about him. Every story whispers the name of Jesus. And so you would think in a story that, that would be the end of the story. Jesus dies, he's resurrected, he's taken to heaven, the end. But that's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of this new story as Jesus is resurrected. And um, today, I want to say that you and I are part of this story now that you and I, God's people, are a part of this story that God is unfolding beginning in the book of Acts that we're going to see here in a little bit. And he wants you and I to be a part of the story because if you look around today, usually the end of the story is, and they lived happily ever after. And I want you to know that God's story is that, that there's going to be a time where we're going to live happily ever after. But let me ask you the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? If you look around the world today, are we there yet where we live happily ever after? We're not there yet. And that means the story's not done, that there's still more to the story, that there's still more God wants to do because if things aren't good, God's not done yet. And things aren't quite good yet. So let me ask you that story worldwide, but let me ask you that story individually. Are things good yet? Are things 
perfect yet? Are things happily ever after in our lives yet? They're not. And that means that God's not done with us either, that there's still some things that he's doing in our lives. There's still some things that he wants to do through us. And we get to partner with him to make things better on this earth. We get to partner with him to usher in his kingdom from heaven to earth and to make this world a better place that reflects him better. And so that's our mission on this earth. But we're going to begin today by unpacking this a little bit further and talking about what God desires from us as we partner with him. So I think number one here, let's just begin here in Acts chapter one. And uh, we're going to be spending some time here in verse three all the way through verse seven, I believe it is. So let's go ahead and read there. It's going to be up on the screens here, but if you want to follow along in your personal Bible, you can follow along on your phones or your Bible. Let's go ahead and begin to read here. It says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So this is talking about Jesus. He's just been resurrected, and it says over the span of 40 days, Jesus appeared and began to hang out with his disciples. He continued to eat with them, continued to hang out with them, and, uh, and I'm sure he had fun with it, right? It's, it doesn't say he had fun with it, but I'm just thinking, man, Jesus had fun with this because he would show up places, and then he would just disappear in an instant, right? And man, who would love to do that, right? You're just hanging out with people, and all of a sudden, boom. He just disappears somewhere else. And that's what Jesus is doing in these moments because there's some moments where it says that Jesus was hanging out with somebody and then he was gone in a flash. And so um, there's some moments where Jesus shows up and people are doubting his resurrection, right, Thomas? And he shows them his nail-scarred hands and he says, I've been resurrected. It's me. I'm here. And, And so over these 40 days, Jesus proves his resurrection. He proves to people that he was dead and now he's alive. And so we can have documented proof that the resurrection is true because so many eyewitnesses saw it. They saw him die. They saw him come back to life. It wasn't just the 12 disciples. It was so many others. Hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus alive after his death. They were able to go and, and, and interview people and say, are, are you sure? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure. I saw him die on the cross, and I saw him walking around with his nail-scarred hands talking to his people. And so this is a documented thing in history that Jesus was resurrected. And so we find ourselves in this place where Jesus is spending time teaching his disciples. And what is he teaching them in this time? Well, he spent three years preparing them for this moment. But I think in these moments, he's giving them those final lessons, those final things. Hey, guys, I'm about to go, and before I leave, these are some really important things that I want you to know. These are some things that I'm going to want you to do, that I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm partnering with you to do this, but I'm, I'm going to give you everything that I have here so that you'll do well on the mission that I'm about to give you. So let's continue here. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus is saying, I want you to stay put. I know I've given you this big mission to go and make disciples of all the nations, but before that ever happens, wait for the gift that I'm about to give you. Stay put until this gift comes. So in verse 6 here, in verse 5, let's skip over to verse 6. It says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, 
It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. This is the big verse here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying here, listen, I'm going to send a gift to you. And that gift is going to help you be my witnesses. What he's saying is, is I'm going to use you to tell others about me. And I'm going to give you the power to be able to do it. I'm going to give you the power to be able to do it to the ends of the earth. So this is what Jesus is asking. So, so Jesse, what does this mean for us today? What does it mean for us today? It means that God wants to partner with us. He wants to partner with us to get his story out. The story of Jesus, the story that we've been telling you this whole time that leads to this exclamation point about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, rising again so that we could have life, being able to have a relationship with him, our sins forgiven, all of these things that we get to be the storytellers now, that we get to be the storytellers, that we've been hearing this story and now that we've heard the story and we've embraced the story and we've embraced Jesus we get to be the people who tell the story. Are you willing to be a storyteller? You say, well, Jesse, you don't understand. I'm, I'm too shy to be a storyteller. Jesse, you don't understand. I don't have the ability to be a storyteller. Jesse, I just, I just don't have it. Well, this is what God is saying. I'm going to give you what you need to be able to tell the story. I'm not going to leave you hanging out for dry all by yourself I'm going to give you the power that you need through the Holy Spirit to be able to be my witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the very same thing that he promises his people here, he promises to us that the Holy Spirit is still at work in our lives if we have a relationship with him and we tap into it so that he can use you in the lives of other people to be storytellers, to be people who share the gospel with others, to be people who live a life that makes a difference in people and that brings people to the Lord. That's what he wants to do through us. That's how he wants to partner with us. He wants to use you to be on mission, telling the story. So are you on mission? Are you on mission today? And I think my goal for this is that each of us would, would take some ownership and would partner with the Lord after this service so that we can all together be on mission together, be on mission to look for people who are far from God and bring them close to him, be on mission to tell the story. And it doesn't, it's not our job to get them to respond. That's God. All we have to do is tell the story. All we have to do is share what God has done in our lives. But as we continue here, since we are storytellers, we know that Jesus is going to give us what we need. And what he does in Acts chapter 2 is the Holy Spirit comes. They're, just like he said, the disciples are waiting for the gift. And as they are praying in the upper room, it says, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. The Holy Spirit comes down and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in other languages. And people are thinking, man, what's up with these guys? They're, they're different. But God is just enabling them to be able to share the story in different languages. God is enabling them to be able to share the story with power. God is enabling them to do that. So on that day, the mission begins. The mission begins and the mission is this, to get the word about Jesus out all over the world. 
And so that's when, that's when people began to travel different places. They began to share the story. They began to preach in different places. And it began with one guy. And on that day, as soon as they're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a guy, and it's an unlikely guy that begins to share because just a couple of days ago, in fact, you know, let's, let's say a month ago, this guy was saying, I don't know Jesus. There's a guy that said, um, yeah, I denied Jesus three times. Yeah. There's a guy that was scared and so scared that he acted like he didn't even know Jesus. And his name is Peter. And, and this Peter guy who acted so cowardly in that moment of Jesus's death suddenly becomes the guy with power who's standing up and preaching and telling the story about Jesus to thousands of people, thousands. He stands up and he speaks boldly about Jesus. He stands up and he tells the whole story from the beginning to the end, and he explains every little thing. And at the end of his message, it says that thousands made the decision to make Jesus Lord of their lives that day, to follow after Jesus. Thousands came forward to make that decision, and thousands were baptized, it says. Who did God use? A cowardly man like Peter. A man like Peter who continues to make mistakes throughout the New Testament. A guy like Peter who shows that he's not perfect. God uses him to be the mouthpiece of the New Testament in that moment and to get the mission started. Well, God is still in the business of using unlikely people to do his will and to do his work. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, Jesse, how could God use me? Well, God, what you mix with the Holy Spirit, God can do a whole lot through. You mix with the Holy Spirit, God can do some powerful and amazing, incredible things. God using you to speak things. God using you to challenge things. God using you to take things to another level. God using you to make an impact in this world to bring his kingdom on earth. So we find ourselves in this place where the Holy Spirit begins to empower the church to do his will. And what begins to happen in this time is through the Holy Spirit, as people are speaking, God's changing people's hearts and lives. He's changing lives. Their hearts are conforming to his heart. And not only that, but as we go down, um, they become more like Jesus and they begin to show the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. The fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Those things come out of a relationship with the Lord through the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And not only that, but God begins through the Holy Spirit to gift people in certain areas. So you say, Jesse, where do my giftings come from? Those giftings come from the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And as you tap into the Holy Spirit in your life and you ask the Lord to fill you daily, there's some things that are going to come out. And some of those things are going to look like talents. Things like maybe communicating, being good with kids. Things like being good with people. You fill in the blank of things that you're good at. Some of those things are God-given gifts through the Holy Spirit because God wants you to use those gifts to be able to tell the story, to be able to use those gifts to build relationships with others so that you can tell the story God uses people just like you and I to further his kingdom and to bring his kingdom on earth. And the Spirit is the primary agent in renewing the world. We are his partners. And you know what's interesting about this? God doesn't have a plan B for sharing his story. God doesn't have a plan. It's not sitting up there saying, well, if this doesn't work out with people, then we got this plan. 
You are his plan. You're his plan in furthering the kingdom. You're his plan in getting the story out there. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? God's calling us to take a stand and step up and further his kingdom. And we do that first, not in our own strength, but by letting the Holy Spirit empower us to be able to do his will. So what happens when the Spirit works and leads? Well, what begins to happen is we begin to be bold in our faith and share our faith with others. And, and, and we think that this means, let me tell you, when I say this, you think you're going to be standing on a street corner somewhere preaching the gospel. And it doesn't necessarily mean that. Maybe that is what God calls you to do. I don't know. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. For me, in, in high school, there was a group of guys empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with people. And um, they were little scrawny little 10th graders, yeah? And so they were the guys who, you know, maybe didn't go through puberty till like their senior year, so they were still really a little bitty and scrawny at that time. And, and so I was this big jock, right? And, and they came up to me and befriended me and began to ask me to go to church. And, and their, their passion was so high that I had to listen to them there was something so intriguing about what they were telling me that I had to stop and I had to listen and I was interested. And suddenly, over a span of a year of them telling me their story of Jesus, inviting me to church, loving on me, befriending me, being kind to me, going out of their way to talk to me, you know what began to happen in my heart? I began to say, man, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something here that they're talking to me about that I desperately need. And I came to church with them, and I gave my heart to Jesus, and my life changed because of those group of guys who were willing to tell the story, who were willing to share their faith, who were willing to do something that was probably uncomfortable for them, but they were willing to do it because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and God used them to make a difference in my life and the life of so many others. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take part in this mission that God has given us? of loving people, befriending them, sharing the story of Jesus with them, and letting them respond. It's not our job to twist their arm and make them respond. That's God's job. It's our job to love. It's our job to share. It's our job to do that. It's his job to work in a way that only he can. So the church begins to embody the story in that way. And we'll see here at the end of this passage that because of that, people were coming to know the Lord on a daily basis because there was a bunch of people living life like this. And because they lived life like this, the church grew rapidly. And so what we see is that when the church embodies and asks the Holy Spirit to come and lead them, when individuals come and ask God to fill them and lead them, he empowers them. And this is what it looks like. So let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, as we see the results of a community that's living by the Holy Spirit. It says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So right off the bat, these people, they are spending time together with other believers. Guys, there's something so sweet and special about spending time with other believers. Let me tell you, you need that. You need time with other believers. You need to schedule time for that. Talking about your faith with others, talking about what God is doing, being in a small group, you need that. It helps you to grow in your walk with God. It helps you to walk in the Spirit when you're with other believers. 
And as a young Christian, and even as a, a Christian for a long time, you should crave that. You should crave spending time with other believers. I remember being in high school, and uh, it was, you know, I had just graduated, and they had chosen a couple of, of uh, a team of football players throughout the state to represent the state and play in an all-star game. So I was chosen as one of the offensive linemen, and what happened is they took all these guys, you know, from different teams, and they put them all together in one mega team, and we needed to practice together before this game that we were going to have took place. So what they did is they, they shipped us off to the University of New Mexico, and we spent about a month in the summer out there um, practicing football in the hot New Mexico heat. It wasn't fun at all. Okay, so there we are, uh, eating cafeteria food from the University of New Mexico, spending time practicing all day, getting ready for this game, the all-star game at the end of the month. And I was a young Christian at that time who was very passionate about the Lord, and, and I spent that week, I remember, craving to be with other believers, desiring to be with other believers so much that I took a, a trek to a church um, several times a week to spend time with other believers. I needed it. I needed it. And we still need it. I still need it. You still need it. You need to be around other believers. And this is something that happened as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They desired to be around each other. They wanted fellowship with each other. So, and it says here they wanted fellowship and they wanted to break bread with each other. Does that sound good to everybody else? A meal together? Yeah, that sounds, I always love that part. And so breaking of bread into prayer. So next, everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So the apostles were out. They were doing God's will, and wonders and signs were taking place. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So I want to stop here because I, I think as we read this, it sounds like, oh, man, the early church was perfect. Everything was perfect. Let's go back to that. Everything's perfect. There's still problems in the early church. There's still bickering in the early church. They're still fighting in the early church. In fact, there's some documented parts of the early church where Paul and another guy get in a fight with each other and they depart from each other, right? There's, there's still moments like that. So when we read this, don't, don't think perfection, everything's good, everybody's nice to each other. You know, there's still problems. There's always going to be problems as long as we're on this earth, uh, this side of heaven. But it looked a lot better and all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Their faith, they had those things in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So beautiful, beautiful passage here. And what we see is we see that God is at work in such a way in people's lives that the world around them begins to change. That they are so influenced by God that they make everybody's life around them better. It says here that they were willing to sell their possessions to help others. It says here that they spent time together and that they were full of joy worshiping the Lord together. Their world became a better place because they were living for the Lord. And you know what happens if a group of people in the churches around our world today said, you know what, I'm going to be on mission and I'm going to bring God's kingdom into this earth. This world would be a better place. There would be less hunger around the world because people would stand up 
for injustice and they would make sure people were fed. There would be less fighting around the world because more Christians would stand up and they would do their part and it would influence the whole world if we all did our part. And that's what God desires of us. That's what he wants, right? And that's what we need to take a step into that we in our world can make our world a better place by living for Jesus and being empowered by the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Will you do that today? Because what the church is, is not a building. The church is God's people who follow Jesus and partner with him on his mission. That's what the church is. So are you part of the church? Are you in the classification that God would say you are the church? If you're following Jesus and you're pursuing his mission that he's given us, then you're part of the church. It's not just being here on Sunday mornings, not just attending a service that makes you part of the church. It's following Jesus and pursuing the mission that he has for us. So the goal today is for us to take this story of the early church and for us to say, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be filled with your spirit and I want to accomplish your will in this world. I want to do my part that you're calling me to do of inviting people to church of sharing the story with them, of loving people well, giving people well, whatever God leads you through the Holy Spirit to do, that God would lead you well and God would use you to further his kingdom on this earth. No matter how untalented you might feel, God can use you. No matter how scum of the earth you might feel, God can use you. No matter what, God can use you if you let him work in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. He can do some great and mighty things through you for his kingdom. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.